That's true. Yeah, that it's it's crazy. That is, yep. And and those are where the conversations often go. And those are the people, you know, in the in the church world that we're trying to copy sometimes. And I think that's where people can end up discouraged about the the way that they're doing whatever it is that they're doing, right? And they're comparing themselves to churches that that just have huge budgets. And I, you know, we've never taken that approach, but we do take inspiration from large churches. But if you're trying to be them, you're just going to end up, uh, as far as media goes, you're going to end up discouraged and frustrated and you're probably going to quit. This is the Small Church Media Podcast with Mark Hyde. Well, what is up, guys? And welcome back to the Small Church Media Podcast. The voice you just heard was from the one and only Pastor Chad Harms from way over on the West Coast, over there, right outside of of Portland, Oregon. He's pastor of a tiny little church called Creekside Bible Church. And I got connected with him, actually, on Facebook inside of a Christian podcaster's Facebook world. And he found our podcast, because I posted something on there, started listening. We got connected. And I'm like, bro, bro. Bro, 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 bro. We got to get you on the podcast because check this out, all right? We can have so many different conversations around strategies and philosophies and do this, don't do that. Make sure you do this and, and please don't do that all day long. But I think there's really cool powers that, that can be found inside of someone's testimony because check this out. Pastor Chad is not a pastor who is you know, a pastor of a church of 200 or 300 or 400 or anything like that. The man has been at the same church for Oh, dude, what was he? he says it in the podcast? It's like six, 17 years, I think it was 17 years. Right now, the church is only around a hundred people. They are a mobile church, but they have an amazing online ministry and an online platform. We talk about this later on, pretty much at the end of the episode, but Chad's sermons are heard worldwide. I think they get close to like 20,000 downloads per year. We're talking about just his sermons. We talk about their social media plan, how they actually plan out what they're going to do on social media, and pretty much the, the the successes and some behind the scenes of here's some actual really, really cheap things that they did online using digital digital entities to not just you know grow their reach and try to reach new people, but to also encourage and come alongside their own church members. In today's conversation, we are going to sit down and talk about that mind shift change that, that Chad had with his church about, okay, we can start using media, not just as like something we do as a church or as, you know, just maybe even a ministry of the church, but it is actually an integral part of the church mission. We talk about what the church's mission statements are and their the core values and how everything they do online with their media actually has an actual benchmark of how this helps them carry out the core values of their church. So I know you're going to enjoy the podcast. Please, please, please check out his podcast as well, where he sits down with some really big influencers, including, as you're going to find out, one of my basketball heroes, the professor called The Testimony Podcast. We'll have all the links in the show notes, but I trust that you are going to enjoy this conversation. It is a bit of a long one, but I'm not going to lie. We were on the phone for well over two hours, so we're not going to keep you for two hours, but I know you're going to enjoy the conversation. And the really cool thing is we didn't just talk about philosophy or theory, but we talked about boots 
on the ground stuff that you as a small church pastor can pick up and do in the context that you find yourself. So I hope you enjoy this conversation and yeah, let's get to it. Well, hey guys, I'm sitting down here with Chad Harms. Now it's Chad, am I saying that right? Is it Chad Harms or do you say it a different way? No, that's right. Okay, because sometimes I've had some really like you know unique oopses on a different podcast that I do where it's like, oh, their name looks like this, but it's read very, very weird. And you're from Oregon, and you know you're supposed to keep things weird up there, right? That's true. That's what I hear. Yeah. <laughs> oh goodness, man. Well, dude, Chad, I am thrilled to be sitting down with you. We got connected. Um, I would say almost accidentally. I mean, I, I mean, let's be honest. Like, I think it was a divine moment where we were able to get connected. But there was like an accidental connection that we made on Facebook. Yeah, you posted about your podcast, and I was like, I need that podcast. I want that podcast. And now here I am uh, on it. <laughs> Well, man, I am thrilled to have you here on the show. I have not prepped our listeners at all for you in terms of just who you are, what you do, or anything like that. There was no prep last episode at all, man. So why don't you just jump in, introduce yourself, who you are, what you do, talk about your podcast, all that fun stuff. Sure. Uh, Again, my name is Chad Harms. I'm a pastor uh, in Wilsonville, Oregon, which is the southernmost part of the Portland metro area. For those that have no idea where Wilsonville is, I have been pastoring for 17 years at the same church, which makes me sound older than I am. I'm 38 years old. I was a youth pastor, associate pastor. I've basically done everything at my church, but I've been the lead pastor for 10 or 11 years now. And so... Uh, 10 or 11 is, years. Are you just so old I, you forgot? Like, yeah, is that what happened? I mean, I've, I, you know, I've reached that age. Uh, it all runs together. It might be one oh, year for all I can tell. I'm 30, so I can't say nothing. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, when you're 38, you, you know, 10 or 11 becomes the way you say things. So I feel like my wife always knows how long I've been doing this thing. But uh, yeah, so I've been uh, the lead pastor at church for 10 or 11 years uh, recently. And this is part of the reason we connected is that. I started uh, kind of a side project podcast telling the stories of how and why people became Christians, specifically people that have influence in the Christian world. Uh, it's called Testimony. Uh, I am a husband to my wife, Bryn, and uh, today's actually our anniversary when we're recording this 13 years. Oh, dude, years. really? It is. Yeah, yeah. Happy anniversary, bro. I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, why are you Dad, talking to me on your anniversary, dude? Man, like, I, I hope you, you have know, better plans than this. We're going to the beach on Wednesday, and so, uh, so I need to get some work done today. So it's not like I said, honey, I can't do dinner. I'm, I'm going on a podcast this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> and we're also having dinner tonight. Uh, I'm oh, a dad, good, good. I'm a dad to a uh, almost five-year-old and almost seven-year-old. Uh, the seven-year-old is uh, a girl, daughter named Hazel, and my son is named Hudson. Uh, he is coming up on five. We also have a dog named Beckett. None of us like him that much. He's a German Shepherd mix, and uh, he's difficult. So uh, I'm a dog guy, but this one has been tough on us for the last year and a half. So uh, that's, I feel like every time I talk to anybody, I complain about my dog, but I really am a dog guy for all of those That's like the greatest icebreaker of all time. Well, actually, no, saying you have seven kids is the greatest icebreaker of all time. I can see that for sure. I have a dog. I'm a dog guy. This dog sucks. Like, that's got to be the greatest icebreaker ever. You know, it, it's it's just so real. He's been, I grew up with a Springer Spaniel that was difficult, but 
Uh, Beckett is, we love him. We've learned to like him. <laughs> we love him. Uh, but he is, he is the most difficult dog. And in fact, we just got a, a dog sitter for this coming Wednesday. We leave for the beach. We have not yet had anybody dog sit for us that's willing to do it again. So, uh, so that tells you wow. how Beckett is. I know. Uh, we just go through dog sitters and, and then we ask the people and they're like, yeah, I'm not doing that again we pay people to do this so uh but nobody has thought back it was worth the little money we're paying but yet. hey as long as no one says that about the kids i think you're doing okay that is true <laughs> our kids man i i god's blessed me with some incredible kids they 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 like being pastors kids and i i'm just amazed at uh just how I, when I say how well they do it, that that sounds like there's some standard I've placed on them, and I really haven't. But uh, just how God's wired them to to just be a part of my ministry is really I'm getting emotional talking about it. But it's been really amazing. And you know, I think there's something to be said though about the challenge that pastor kids have to go through. You know, it's it's I mean, it's obviously your kids are still young, but but they know. I mean, it's like at home I have a a 10-year-old and 8-year-old and uh he, he's 6 years old. And so like but even at that age they know what's going on. Yeah. And they can tell and they can sense things that you're like how, how do you know that? Like you're you're a kid. And so, yeah. you know, I think there's a, and there's also, let's be honest, there's a lot of stress that not even you, but that church society and culture puts on these kids of, oh, you a PK, so you perfect, right? Yeah, you know, our church, uh, my kids have been a bit immune from that because my oh, wife good. grew up in the church and like, you know, actually come in when she was, I don't know, middle school, high school age. And, uh, and I've kind of grown up in the church, you know, less in a literal sense, but uh, you know, been here since I was 21 years old. And, and so, you know, they, they have not felt that kind of pressure, but there's other things like, you know, if somebody gets mad about the decision dad makes uh, surrounding COVID, then they lose friends. You know what I mean? And, uh, and so that part of the life has been, you know, it's just a weird thing that that to them feels regular. But when you look at it from the parental point of view, it's like, that, that stinks for them. They just kind of wonder what happened to Bobby or, you know, whoever it is. Right. And, uh, but the great thing that, I, you know, I think we're getting something right, my wife and I, is that every like today even uh, has some things to clean up around the church building that we are meeting in and uh, have office space in. And, and uh, they want to come. So they are, are they, they still like church. And this is one of my you know, one of the things I want in life, they still like church enough that, uh, that, that they're willing to come down here with me, even, you know, when they don't need to, uh, it's their spring break and they're happy to come to the church and help out still. Yeah. And so, so you mentioned it. So let's transition into that a little bit. Cause you said the church that you meet at. So tell us about the church a little bit. So yeah, we're, uh, we're, uh, actually a 30 year old church that, uh, when I started pastoring, became the lead pastor, it felt like a church plant because it had shrunk and shrunk for years while I was working at it even, um, uh, by God's grace, uh, since I became the pastor Creekside Bible church is the church's name. Uh, we've grown, uh, we've now here's the real question. Are you, 
do you actually meet by a creekside? So there, there, we own almost seven acres of land here in Wilsonville, and there is a creek. Okay, good. Uh, it's okay. kind of <laughs> it's kind of like Bigfoot. Like it's got to rain really hard, and the wind has to be blowing in the right direction. And and then there's a creek. Uh, I didn't name our church, but oh, that's I think funny. that's where. Yeah, I mean, like I get out of my car to take pictures when I can see the creek just to prove it exists. It's it's more like a puddle. So uh, you are prepared but, for this question. Uh, oh, I, this question comes up more than you would think, for sure. Uh, so there is a creek, but our church is 30 years old, like I said, kind of like a plant. And uh, in my time as lead pastor, we we grew from somewhere around like, I don't know, there was 35 to 40 people left uh, and, and maybe maybe 45. I don't know. But uh, we had about 200 pre-COVID we're not sure how many are left now, but around a hundred. Uh, but in my time as the pastor, we've always uh, been a mobile church. Met in a an old renovated, well, first a, another church building and then an old renovated uh, church uh, that that actually had been converted by uh, a brewery in our town. Um, and then uh, in a school for most of my time pastoring. And then, then you know, during uh, the last couple of years, we, we've been all over the place trying to find places to have church because the school's still, even right now, not available to us. Uh, right now, it's because of staffing shortages, actually. Hmm. So we were in eight uh, places in 13 months during kind Whoa. of the height of COVID stuff trying to uh to continue to have church in some capacity now like one of those was my garage and you know we, <laughs> we were in another church's office space live streaming together and uh another church building and a couple places at this place we're at now but right now we're having church at 4 p.m uh on sunday evenings which is is actually working out okay for us and uh you know we're seeing about 60 people about half of you know, uh, what we, what we used to have in our congregation. And so, uh, but we're going, it seems like we're going in the right direction in, in every way again, uh, where it felt like we were just kind of on hold for a couple of years. Uh, but now it seems like things are, are starting to go forward again. And that's where I think I really got connected with you in terms of just like, man, Chad's got to be on the show because you are a pastor who has seen the ebbs and flow of of church life. I mean, let's be honest, you've been a pastor at the church longer than I've been an adult. And so you've seen the ebbs. So I laughed really hard when I said that. Forgive hey, me. That's all right. That's all forgive right. me. Forgive me. Uh, so it's the, it's the right Christian thing to do is forgive people. Right? It's true. So, <laughs> so I mean, it's funny because it's true. <laughs> but, so, but, 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 you know, you've seen the ebbs and flow of, you know, social media coming in and MySpace and technology and media. And, but you're also, you know, a church who, for, for all accounts and purposes, based on, you know, which area you're from, if you're from the Bible Belt, you have no idea what I'm about to say. But a church of 200 people is not a small church. It's a bigger church. Like, you know, where I'm at, you know, most people looked at our building, a church of 200 people, and people are like, oh man, you guys got a big church around here. Well, that's because we're Northern Indiana, not, you know, down in Tennessee or, or Mississippi or Texas. And so for you guys, you guys are out in, outside of Portland, which is a very, um, let's just say not church friendly culture and community. Maybe, maybe your, maybe yours is compared to what most of Portland is. Um, but you know, you've seen the ebbs and flows and have had to, you know, come to grips with the realities that most big churches don't have to deal with. Cause you are tried and true unapologetically a small church pastor. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, 
yeah, so we are not in a church-friendly city. It, it's not like, you know, like the heart of Portland is is a different thing altogether. But, uh, you know, this upper middle class kind of affluent suburb is, it, I mean, we have churches planted here. It's listed as one of the top four places to plant a church in the state, actually. Oh, wow. Uh, because of its growth and, um, you know, probably its, its uh, affluence in some ways. Uh, but but also because of the lack of churches. And so it, it is we have churches planted and then they're gone before we even meet the pastor. Uh, oh, and, wow. and some of the, the goodness in that is that there's good camaraderie with our pastors here in town. There's somewhere around 10 churches in the city. And uh, and I'm, I'm kind of I mean, I would say that I'm friends with uh, with, you know, a good, good number of those guys to the point where we really helped each other through the COVID stuff, bounced ideas off of each other, uh, shared buildings, at least we shared their building. Um, And so it's unique in that regard. But yeah, it is a difficult place. And, uh, and I have been at it a long time. And and we've had good success. And uh, I think in Oregon, we, we probably have maybe less small churches than other places in, in the country that have a church on every corner. Uh, so it's kind of hard to get into. Uh, it's it's hard to survive as a small church economically that there's a difference, but also it is hard to, to get to that kind of medium church space that we were in. And that took a lot of uh, effort and just transition for us in the way that we did church to go from a small church to an above average size church, whatever that, you know, I think 75 is the average. And uh, that, that was a big transition for us that, that I actually got a mentor and worked through a lot of how to pastor a, a more mid-sized church with multiple staff and all of those things. Oh, wow. So and now where are you guys at right now? Like, would you still consider yourself a small church or is it more of a unique small church? Because you guys are still dealing with a lot of COVID stuff. Yeah. So it, it's strange. I don't know. Um, that's, <laughs> uh, I don't think any of us know. We have leadership meetings and we're like, uh, where, who's at our church and who's not at our church? And so we had about a third, I can tell you, of the 175 to 200 people that actively attended our church. That wasn't our average attendance, but that was active attenders like we saw them consistently we don't keep people on the books for a decade or whatever but uh of, of those people about a third moved out of the state of oregon uh between 2020 and 2021 so we oh, know wow. that um about a third of our congregation from from pre-covid we see uh and about a third is uh missing in action we don't know if we've reached out we don't know if they'll be back or not be back uh and and then we're starting to see new people come to our church thankfully uh and so i think that we have we've kind of moved back into a small church uh setting model ministry not model that's probably not the right word We've, we've become a small church again with really a medium-sized kind of model and leadership structure. I guess that's how I'd say it. No, that that makes sense. I'm trying really hard not to go down a thousand different rabbit trails because when I see a squirrel, I chase them. Sure. Um, but, you know, one thing, and I, I don't know if you give yourself enough credit in this regards of just us chatting before, so I'm going to hype you up. Because um, it seems like you like what you said, you're a small church with a medium, you know, mindset. But you guys have a massive, massive national and global reach. Uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, 
Thank you. Uh, I guess, uh, yeah, we, we have, we have used media and I think that's why you've asked me to come on here. Even when we were small, we have used media, uh, to, to impact, uh, the world, I guess. And not only that, but we've pretty successfully used media to grow our church. And, uh, you know, one of the things I always tell people is that we, I have great friends, uh, people that I've pastored for, you know, five, 10 years. And, and if we do life together, all because they went to our website and thought it didn't suck. Uh, and so, uh, <laughs> can you say so that a little louder for the people in the back? Yeah. So even you know? when we were tiny, I, I kind of knew that, uh, that, that what we do online is, is a big uh, part of, of moving forward as a church and, and by God's grace. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think I'll, probably hit on this more later i know a couple of the questions coming up uh but but god's god's allowed for for our reach to go much further than um you know the the 60 people i i preached to last sunday yeah so let's dive into that because you know like when we were chatting and just trying to trying to figure out to get to know each other um i i asked questions very intentionally because i'm like i think this dude can be on the podcast let's find out <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, but you said something really cool. And I think is really, really powerful. And you said, and this is a direct quote from what you, what you texted me. It says, we try as a church, we try to extend our mission through the use of media. That has been a really important mental shift. There was a time when we kind of just did it because other people were doing it, but it has helped us to think about media as an extension of the mission versus just the ministry of the church. And so, and I thought that quote was really, really cool. And that's what made me lock on really hard. Um, but I would love for you just to break that down a little bit, like in terms of just what you as a pastor for your church decided to do and, you know, the change that happened because of it. Yeah. So I think that if you're a forward thinking church, then you're probably getting on media in some capacity, right? Like if it's sermon audio or you're doing some social media posts or you email people uh, a newsletter, whatever it might be. And, And a lot of times we can just, you know, do whatever is, uh, you know, within our resources to do, maybe, you know, the first thing we think of sometimes. And so for a long time, you know, we've done, we've had a website, we, you know, and I think a decent website and uh, sermon audio has gone online and all that. But at some point it was like, this, this needs to be more intentional. And so we need to think through all of these things that, end up on the internet we need to think through the lens of our mission and so you know our our church tagline is we exist to help people experience and express the glory of god and then we have these things that we've identified as uh biblical commands that god has given us in order to glorify him through the church and so that's really what we always are aiming at and i won't i won't give them all to you but like one of those is um, thoughtful gospel proclamation. And so, you know, I think every church should thoughtfully proclaim the gospel. And, and at some point it was like, okay, well, here's this mission that we have. You know, we want to, another one, we want to help people fervently and persevere in prayer. And, and so we have all these things. And let's not just post stuff online uh, that grows our online following. Let's actually use the platforms that we have to further this mission in the lives of our people. And so, uh, you know, what we posted, we can talk about, but it wasn't as important as like, 
the why and the shift of why we were posting. So the what and shift wasn't as big as the why and, and the shift of what we put out on the internet. And so, and that's the thing we've been talking about a lot here on the show is, you know, if you don't know your why, you're wasting your time. Like, you know, I said that, uh, I don't know, maybe about a month or two ago and I'm like, oh, I should get that on a t-shirt. But, you know, but at, at the end of the day, if you don't know your why, then what the heck are you doing? And, you know, I, I work with another church marketing company and they're like, man, you'd be surprised about how many even, I mean, let's just call it what it is. These mega churches, like they work with churches of, you know, 10,000, 12,000 people, like these massive entities, and they don't even know why they post online sometimes. There's like, oh, we're supposed to, and we just have a lot of really cool pictures because we have photographers that we just post it. But if you don't know the reason why behind what you're doing, how do you know if you've been successful? Because I, I, I want to hone in on that a little bit because you used that word earlier. You said we've been, and you said, I feel like we've been successful in that. So if you don't mind me asking you, this is kind of off subject a little bit, but what defined and what was success in your mind with using these media platforms? So yeah, uh, before, uh, I think it just would have been you know, like what gets watched the most or what gets listened to the most. And, and I still think there's power in that, but only insofar as it's connected to uh, us helping people experience and express God's glory. And so, uh, I mean, I'll just take like, you know, the easiest one, right? Like theocentric, impactful gatherings. Like, uh, you know, can when I get up on, on a Sunday and I, I preach, like, can we make can we create more impact by getting those sermons online? And and so I, I would like to think that it's it's if we're actually seeing any of those things happen through what we do, that that is success. So can we connect people better in our church? Right? Like, can is there a way that that we can use media in whatever form to actually connect people? better in our congregation and, and like facebook our facebook group is actually really good at that and so like there's success there right like people know each other better uh and and care about each other more because of our facebook group and so you guys uh, do have a facebook group then that is dedicated to the church we do yeah yeah okay so uh, it's not something we advertise very much um but it's something people find their way to and uh you know like Somebody just was somebody that has moved across country, but she was having a a, a moving sale as she was kind of on the way out, and, and she posted in there just yesterday. And so it's things like that, but even that stuff, right? Like there's something unifying about that, and so I see success in that. And there's lots of things that I think we'll get to later that that as you begin to see the why, like success is if two people in our church know each other better, if that's a success, right? Because of a post that we make, then it starts to drive the what over time. So if you don't mind me asking, when you made that mental shift and you said, all right, we're going to shift it where it's not just something we do, but this is actually a ministry and mission of the church. Oh man, was there a lot of pushback? Like, <laughs> like you know, like I think of like, I mean, this is going to sound really, really bad, but there's always the naysayers in the church. Like, I, oh dude, man, I don't want to talk too much, but I remember when I was a kid, I will never forget this business meeting because for some reason I was that 13 year old that thought business meetings at churches were cool. Um which is good because then I, you know, started really being a part of them as a pastor. But so, <laughs> but I remember one and the, yeah, the lead right, pastor, right. he was a vision, he was a visionary guy, you know, like he was flat out, like he wasn't trying to be cutting edge, 
but he was very, very visionary. And he said, hey, we need to get a projector screen that can hook up to a computer so that way we can sing modern songs all together rather than buying these hymn books. And my goodness, I saw people going berserk on this guy. And some people were like, well, why can't we just buy, like, you're going to laugh, the old transparency overhead. They're like, we can get that at Goodwill for like 20 bucks. And Pastor's like, no, 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 no. We're talking thousands of dollars. And let's be honest, going back and looking at the quality of that projection, I'm like, yeah, that's that's pathetic. You can get that for 150 bucks at Kohl's right, right now with some Kohl's yes. cash. But yep. you know, but he, I, I just remember that business meeting of he was like, all right, we want to get a projector and a computer. And the amount of fight he had to do just to be able to make that one little change. Like, did you struggle with that a lot? No, I actually haven't. And and part of that is just culture of our church, where you know the people that we reach most consistently are are millennials that uh, have been. Uh, disenfranchised with church, not like mad at church. I wish we reached those people and not people who have never been in church so much. I mean, get some of that, but it's like just people who like church didn't fit the schedule anymore, you know, and, um, and they weren't really feeling the need and, and we've been able to get those people. And so, so because of that, they're already like kind of media driven anyway, right? Like that's a right, part yep. of their life. And so that helps. Now, when you, when you put money on the line, then there's people make me have made me answer some questions, right? Like our leadership. And, and I'm glad for that. But again, if I have a good, we have a great leaders and a good leadership structure, as long as I can talk about the why, then most of the time people are going to be behind me. Social media, that's a really easy change to make because whether people, whether you post, you know, on purpose or just post, like it doesn't actually affect people's experiences too much. They'll just, you know, swipe right by it or whatever it might be. Uh, People get much weirder either when there's their money's on the line or when their actual experiences like in the service are on the line. And so uh, I found like just being forward thinking and on you know, in terms of media, that that it doesn't bother people too much. And I'm sure that helps with you guys being a mobile church too, where you guys are always, always changing, you know? Yeah, we're the like the most flexible church ever. Uh, I have not dealt with a lot of the things that I hear other pastors dealing with. Like we, you know, I mean, we had a, a time this year where we found out on Thursday we couldn't be in the school that we had been meeting in. And so actually we've had two of those, two times. So one at the beginning of COVID, one in the middle. And so, and it's like, where are we going to have church Sunday? And so, uh, so yeah, we're, we're a really flexible church and, you know, have felt like a church plant. And, and so uh, even though we're 30 years old and so there's a, my, you know, switching things around is easier for me as a pastor than for a lot of people. All right. So if you don't mind me going down memory lane a little bit and then leading up to right now, when you made that mental, I should, I should ask this. When did you make that mental shift for yourself where it's like, all right, so media now isn't just, you know, it's not just a ministry, but it's, it's mission is what we do. Like when did you, when would you say you made that mental shift? Uh, you know, that's a good question, but I would say four or five years ago uh, is probably when that shift at least started to take place uh, within me. And then, you know, conversations with with people who 
make media happen in our church. So let's go back then four to five years ago. What were some things that you started doing back then and transition into to like right now? What are things you guys are doing right now? Have they changed? Have they been the same? But I'm just I'm just genuinely curious of what are things that you guys have done media wise to just grow your church and also encourage your, your uh, body of believers? So one is, is like just how hours are used, right? And uh, because I'm, I'm passionate in some ways just about the crossover between church and media, that then, then we always probably gave maybe too many hours to, to making sure that stuff was uh, ready to go online. But, but that's part of it. That's a simple part, right? Like you just structure around it because – it's fulfilling the mission. Whereas if it's just this other thing, you kind of, you find some poor volunteer to post the latest picture and it doesn't matter. But when it matters, then you, then you structure, you know, either staffing or just leadership around it. So that's part of it. But, uh, we, you know, we try to filter our posts and what we do through the lens of our mission. And so for us specifically, every month we take one of the things that we think we ought to be about in our efforts, uh, one of the kind of core values that I've already mentioned, and and we build our posts all around that. And so, easy example: fervent, persevering prayer. Like we'll we'll post uh, we'll post more about our monthly prayer meeting if that's our focus for the month. Uh, we do these. Uh, one-minute countdown videos. Uh, they're only 55 seconds or else Instagram won't finish it. So, uh, But where we just say pause and pray, and then it, it kind of is this little video that gives people a prayer prompt, uh, just trying to get people to pray. Uh, we'll post prayer quotes or prayer Bible verses or old sermon series on prayer. And so we really build like our monthly calendar uh, around even our newsletter. There's like a, a little write up that I do for our, our uh, monthly newsletter. And, uh, and it will all be driven by kind of that one idea that we want people to, to be growing in, in prayer this month and their, their willingness to commit to prayer. And so that, that's, uh, you know, one of the most tangible things that we do. But then there's also like using the different, uh, you know, we don't ever want to be an advertisement, but for example, we used to, and we'll bring this back uh, when we're kind of more secure as far as where we're meeting. But during our greeting time at church, we used to play a video is me uh, inviting people to church and kind of talking about how there's this cool thing happening in the service where everybody's saying hi and hugging each other and asking about prayer oh, requests. Oh, as in you would patch that into your live stream feed. They would go over, yep, on our live stream. It would go over, oh, that's dope. Our, uh, over our greeting time uh, because we realized that watching the live stream, that's not part of our mission, growing the live stream number. And maybe that's controversial, but we think the live stream ought to drive people into the church. And so we wanted to make really clear, like, hey, there's something you're missing here. Like, it's cool you're watching, but but you're not getting all that you can out of church. And so taking, like, the things we're doing and then pushing into those other mission areas uh, becomes really an important thing for us. And so, you know, we even during COVID, like we did Bible study online. And I think we'll still do that because uh, like Bible studies online really work. Uh, and it's about 
It's about spiritual development, one of the things we aim for. And so uh, there's no reason for us not to use media for that because like in a Bible study, our goal is not connection, right? And so like we can just post those Bible studies. We live stream and let people ask questions in. But it's like this is an educational thing for us. Like we did an apologetics one. Like we just want people to learn. And so this is on mission here. We don't need people to be together. And I think we'll do those moving forward where we'll just do Bible studies that are totally online because we're not trying to aim at those other things in the Bible study. Like we have groups. Some of those have been online, but we think people need to be together for those and and really want people. And so that's not like something we're going to do online long term. Uh even though it might get more people there, if that makes sense. And so uh, so there's a few of the things that we do, uh, but we've – oh, I'll give you another one actually. Our, uh, you know, you mentioned our sermons being heard, and we have like uh, – at least we have a person that listens in Paris and Brussels and Dublin, like those three cities, to every single <laughs> sermon that we post. And uh, Yeah, you're, you're Mr. Worldwide now, man. So I, I know. It's amazing Watch how – Watch out, Pitbull. <laughs> Yeah, I can give you some I can give you some data, but like these people are every sermon that goes up, there's somebody there. So we we always have a voiceover on our podcast to intro it. It's me saying thanks for listening and 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 often directing people towards like, hey, Easter's coming up. We'd love for you to be part of that. Good Friday's coming up. And so we do that per sermon series just because we don't have the resources to do it for every sermon. But like invitation to be more a part of the things that help us fulfill our mission. But we called those people out and said, Hey, like we know you listen, um, you know, consistently. And we just love for you to follow us on social media, at least so that we can get to know you in a a more meaningful way. And they, I don't think they've taken us up on that, but it was like, we actually want to connect these people in some meaningful way. And so we, we said hello to them uh, specifically. So, uh, so yeah, we just try to try to, you know, make sure that we're moving the mission forward. And you said a lot of things in there and I'm just taking notes and I'm like, what question do I ask? Cause I'm like, cause I'm like, okay. Cause you, you, you blew, I don't want to say blue by, cause that's like the wrong answer. But you know, you talked about the fact of you have a posting schedule for your social media, right? That is true. Yes. And, and do you have, and you said, and I'm going I'm to kind of start connecting dots here. You mentioned like you can have just some random volunteer do stuff, but do you have someone who actually creates the calendar and then creates the content for the calendar? Yeah. Yes. Uh, so it's a bit of a team effort. Um, so my wife, now this is all because of COVID is so it's weird to be honest with you. And we don't know how this will fall long term, but uh, my wife is a graphic designer, uh, and oh, so, well, that's helpful. Well, that is helpful, <laughs> right? And so uh, she is the one, uh, and works for our churches. I don't. It's, this is the thing: is like we don't know what anybody does anymore because we've had to pivot so many times. But uh, a big part of her job is the creation of media at our church, and so she does that. Our children's ministry leader, because that role is so shifted. Um, it's honestly a smaller scale as far as children's stuff than it was when we hired her at, at 15 hours a week. So she writes a lot of the content and then uh, schedules the content. 
she's a she's a good clear writer and so there's you know help as far as that goes and then i actually do a lot of the scheduling but sometimes we'll do that in a in a with the three of us in a group and so and then we have like a a young girl at at church that we've handed a camera to we actually uh got a different lens just because she was willing to do this teenage girl uh i think she just turned 13 actually and said hey try to get a couple pictures every sunday and uh sometimes she gets good ones for us sometimes she doesn't take any because she uh, isn't because she's 13 because she's 13 (laughs) um but so so really there is a it's it's a team effort to to get that stuff done for sure but what i'm hearing you say though is the because this is is the thing right is the fact of we can talk with so many different pastors who you know like oh we got 200 people we can do this oh it's like you got 500 people that you know you get 500 people in church you got a big budget now all of a sudden but for you you know this is why i want to double down on this fact of you are a small church pastor who decided to be intentional about using ministry and media and therefore had to go out and, I mean, you had to spend some money. I mean, you know, we, we chatted a little bit before we started recording, even doing a basic live stream setup still costs thousands of dollars to do a, do a decent job. But you know, you, you empowered a 13 year old, like who on earth does that? Small church pastors do, you know, that's real. Yeah. And, and her brother actually is, I think he's 10 and um, he's, he's been our light guy, uh, which is a simple setup here where we are, but it was, it was, it was a thing that needed to be done. And it was not something that anybody was wanting to do because you got to like get up and do something. And so uh, kids are a great source of uh, help, especially in the media world for sure. Um, But yeah, so I, I would say, I would actually push back and say, we haven't spent a ton of money uh, I'm kind of known as a cheap pastor. Uh, I've been around a long time, and I, uh, you know, in the in the kind of the rough years of our church, when I was the associate pastor and youth pastor, and the church was shrinking every week, uh, we were bleeding out money, and uh, and that's you know there was a time I remember even. Uh, that I needed a new charger for my laptop and uh, I got told no, basically. I don't remember the whole story exactly, but it's like, that, you know, I never had the church buy me a computer even. And so uh, so that's made me pretty tight in, in how I approach things. So like, I mean, we raised our, for our first camera, we raised the money online, um, but we buy things used all the time. Uh, we... You know, we we have not put a ton of money into the efforts in media, uh, and it's grown very organically uh, through the years. So if you don't mind me asking, but organically, but that's it. But but you're saying intentionally, like you know, stuff doesn't just happen on accident. It's you know, my the 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 pastor that I was associated under, he always said, and I always loved him for this, is the fact of he's like, you know, I I firmly believe that God grows the church. However, we need to be prepared to handle that growth. And I I think that's the same with media where it's like the fact of, you know, God could use anything, but, you know, God can't make your church's digital media grow if your church isn't on the digital space. That's true. So I'll give you a pretty clear example of of kind of that. Uh, So we... We one of our core values is improving, and so we're we're always trying to. That doesn't mean make it cooler. Oh that wow, means, that's that's your core. That's a core value. It's a core value for us in oh, every cool. area. And and again, it doesn't mean cooler. It doesn't mean 
even like more numbers, improving for us uh, really means helping things fulfill the mission more fully. Uh, and so uh, I'll give you an example around live streaming because it's the, it's the clearest one for us. So we're always trying to make things better. Uh, and, and so we realized that it would be free and easy for us to, to live stream our audio. And it was like when somebody's sick, they can listen to it at home. I think the app was like Mixler or something that we were using back then. Um, it's like literally you could just stream your audio for free if you plugged your console into a computer. And it was like, all right. So then somebody in our church, now that takes us saying we, there's like, that's intentional, right? Like, hey, people are missing church. We can help them out. But then somebody said, hey, Chad, I'd like to be able to see you when I'm at home sick. And we're like, all right, we could probably find a camera. And so somebody in the church lent us a camera and we, we like started to plug it in. And somebody donated, I think, like a, a like, real cheap camcorder and we figured out how to get it into the system like into the computer i think we spent like a hundred bucks on a used black magic something i don't remember you, what it was wow now. that's a steal because normally black magic products are in the thousands well so this is just a box that that allows for you to put an hdmi not fancy no bells and whistles we it was before covid which live streaming stuff was actually cheaper uh like that same unit i think sells for more now like if we right. were to resell it so we oh, put oh, it oh in, you're talking about just a capture card right like just yeah. it goes hdmi into the usb for your computer right that's right yeah yeah um and oh, it's I a, it. yeah the ultra studio ultra studio that's the yes. one right there the i ultra wanted that studio. one but we decided to upgrade our system in the middle of covid so i couldn't get it <laughs> right like they, they weren't available we, we right. have one you should have called me um, dang it but, man come on chad so, so we started doing that camera was always blurry it was terrible camera uh, and somebody else had a DSLR that they said we could borrow. So we got that up. And then a guy came from California. He moved into our area and he had worked video at his church in California. And he's like, I can make this better. Uh, and so he started to like, you know, make sure it was focused every Sunday and um, framing it a little bit better. And uh, and then eventually we're like, hey, let's raise some money for like an actual, you know, like a camera that records more than 25 minutes so that we don't have to like start and stop it and do all that uh and so it just it grew uh from that but it started with us being very intentional like there is an audience we're missing it's the people sick at first uh but the intentionality with the with the core value of improving you know now it's a four camera setup and um i think we're doing it as you know it's good as anybody at our size, especially given that, you know, we don't control the church building that we're meeting in and, and like being able to frame some things and things like that. That's just unreal. But, but, you know, going back to what you said, you guys didn't start live streaming because everybody did it. You did it because there was a reason there was a purpose and it fulfilled the mission of the church. That's right. We wanted, you know, we cared about the people who were missing and thought that what we were putting out was important for their growth. And they thought the same. And and so, you know, people on vacation, I've listened, you know, in those early days, I remember listening on uh, The Little Mermaid ride at Disneyland and thinking like, <laughs> this is so cool, man. And and actually, I was out of town with our music leader and uh, another guy in our band. Um, we were we went to San Jose to watch a, a Sharks game, NHL game. 
And on the way back, I don't know why this was so ridiculous, but uh, they mentioned us on on the audio of our live stream. We like cheered in the car, like it was so cool in those early days uh, that we were that they remembered us, you know, that we were gone that Sunday. Uh, but it, yeah, it came from a place of just wanting to get you know important. We think our services are important to the people who are missing and. Uh, and man, we were, we were sure glad that we were ahead of that game when COVID hit. Uh, and then we were able to help other churches kind of get online and give them simple setups. People were emailing me and calling me and uh, we kind of were able to walk them through the process when COVID hit. That's that's really cool. So there, there's a handful of really quick rapid fire questions I want to get to, but I want to come back to one thing you said, because I think this is a really big area. And to be honest with you, I have not talked about this on the podcast, but it was actually the heart for where the podcast, this specific one came out of, is the fact of you do Bible studies online. And you know that's, to be honest with you, Real Talk Christian Podcast, my other podcast, that was started to do what you do with Bible study online. It was supposed to be another teaching arm because I was a teaching elder of the church. Mm-hmm. And then as I exited out of the church, the church was like, you can just take it because we don't want it. But, you know, it really quickly, because I don't want to spend too much time on it, but how do you do this Bible study online thing? Because I think that's really right now where the small church can shine online. So, yeah, we've, we've only done one uh, so far, but it's something that we're going to continue to do. And, uh, I mean, we just... Uh, we just uh, stuck. Uh, it's a, he's actually my brother-in-law, but he's also an elder at our church, and he's a Bible teacher, and he's a great apologetics guy, an apologist for the faith. Like, I mean, I put him up there with some of the great thinkers in our in our country, at least. And uh, and and he got on there and lectured, but also we took questions through, uh, you know, the the YouTube. I think we were doing it in YouTube, Facebook, and the church online platform, and uh, let people. Uh, ask questions and then it was just me and him actually because it was like in the heart of covid and now like run them in on a sticky note and uh, hand them to him and he would take the questions and man i think it's one of the i think it's one of the favorite things that we did as a church over over that couple of years and the reason i think it's so valuable is that Christians want to be a part of Bible studies, but scheduling is very difficult. And so it allows for people to be at home, not have to make it on time, catch it later, uh, and and actually be a part of that learning process. And so, uh, you know, space has been in such flux for us, but uh, it seems like we, we can be where we are for a long time right now. And, uh, and so that's something that we'll definitely continue to do. I don't know if that answered the question, but that's kind of what it looked like for us. No, it, it definitely does. Because I mean, the answer is the fact of you live stream them and then took people's questions and then you legit like posted, no, no budget. <laughs> ran questions up to them and people can listen to it later. Now, a follow question, because now I'm just curious. Did you guys turn that into a podcast series as well, where people can just listen to it? So, yeah, that's that's something we've thought about. It lives on YouTube. Um, and so we but we have not like cut that down. And that's one of those resource things like we had a full time uh, you know, media person on our staff. There's so many ideas that we have, and and it's things like that. It's like, well, we should we should edit this and and you know put it out there, you know, via audio and video uh, in a better format, in a in a more you know. Uh, in a way that's been cut down and cleaned up and all those things, but we've never gotten to that. We have so many things like that, but, uh, but no, we, we never did that. Uh, but now that you've asked, maybe we will. 
But you know, I'm, I'm scrolling through your YouTube channel right now, and it's super cool because like, even a year ago, you were doing these like Ask Pastor John style Bible breakdown videos <laughs> where you legit it looks like you're just using an iPad, right, and screen recording your iPad and making a whole bunch of scribbles. Yeah, so you want to? That's one of the things. People listening, go go look those up. Um, I'm, I'm going to add these to the show notes, bro. Hundred percent. Honestly, that uh, those um, what did I call that? What was the title? The Bible breakdown. The Bible breakdowns. I thought that was one of the best things that I was doing during COVID, and it got no traction. And then we had to move buildings again, and so I gave it up. Uh, but John Piper does something similar to that. But I, I thought it was really cool. I was just taking whatever passage I preached on that week. And then I was like going through it and highlighting and, you know, making markups uh, and kind of reteaching that passage in a different way. And including a lot of the stuff that I have from um, preparation that didn't get included in the sermon anyway. So it was kind of an outlet for me. I thought they were great, but uh, it it didn't work. And so, and again, we had to move churches again and that was, uh, the end, but it's something but, I love. But to here's bring the back. deal, man. But that's actually doing exactly a unique way of what I've been preaching on this podcast for forever, which is repurposing your sermon content. Like you've already done all the prep work for the sermon, so I could literally just hand you whatever. I'm like, all right, dude, teach for eight minutes and do some scribbles, and no question, you could do it. Oh, absolutely. And so, yeah. so how and did you? Was, I mean, that's my iPad, and um. I was using what was it? I think I was using Keynote on my iPad, which I think is a, a free app. Yep. Uh, and and I was bringing in a picture of the Bible. It allows you to do some different kind of mockups on there. Uh, and then we were running that into. Uh, we didn't use the Ultra Studio. We like the twenty five dollar HDMI capture card from Amazon. That's what I was using for that, which works really well. Uh, and then, you know, the same mic that I'm recording on right now. And, um, and so, and then we would just sync it up later. Uh, and it was really, it was really an easy thing to do. I mean, that was like a 30 minute project for the 10 minute video or whatever. Uh, and, and people who watched, I think enjoyed them, but, uh, you know, it wasn't worth my time for the two of them. (laughs) But, but, but let's, let's double down on that. The fact of you were not scared to try something new, you know what I mean? Right. Like, you don't, like you don't know if it's going to work till you try it. That's true. And, and I'm actually really, you know, even looking back, I'm really proud of those. And I, I think there was real value in them. I joke about the two people, but I, I think they were really valuable to the few people who actually watch those. And so that's a win, right? Going back to success, like, like that's a there's win. success in there. If a couple of people understood those passages better. And, and I really think they did um, because I was able to, dive deeper into things that just didn't make sense to go into in a sermon um, and make connections, you know, with lines, literally lines that are hard to make when you're just communicating audibly. And so uh, I think those are great. That's another one of those things that if we had somebody full time to cut those and I could just spend the 10 minutes instead of the half hour, uh, that would be something I think we'd do every week. That's dope. That's dope. Well, hey, so before I let you go and land the plane, I want to ask you three questions and I want you to answer them as quickly as you can. Not because we're strapped for time, but more just the fact of clear, concise, and let's get you out so that way you can, you can get on with your anniversary party, man. So what would you say to the pastor who was scared of using media? So I think pastors are probably scared of using media for two reasons. One is they just don't know what to do. And then the second, I think, is that they probably think it will take away from 
their mission. And so I'd say to the the pastors who are scared, uh, there's a lot of resources out there like this podcast. And I'd, I guess, iterate that uh, copying big churches is not what you need to worry about. Like living up to the standard of Elevation Church is not the goal, uh, but instead like just trying to move the mission forward, which connects to that second fear, right? Like that it will take away from your mission. And I think that media can be done in such a way, and I think we're doing that, where it actually fulfills your mission instead of pulling away from it. And I think one of the big fears is that pastors think like that if they if they use media, like live streaming is a great example, then people won't come to their church as much. And so at that point, you just make a choice about how you live stream. I mentioned like doing the recording over the top. Like I think you can do things that actually get people in the doors versus, you know, just doing it and saying, well, people are never going to come to the church because they can just watch it from home now. But that takes real intentionality. Uh, I'd also say to the pastor who are scared that I actually became a Christian because of media. And maybe that's why I'm so driven by it. But I, when I was four years old, uh, all the way back then, my family had missed church on a Sunday, and which was very rare for us. And I was with my great grandma listening to the tape of the service, and the guy to said, "To the tape, to oh the man, tape. yep." <laughs> I, and I do know what those are. I do right, know what those right. are. He said, "If if you you know want to go to heaven or whatever, uh, you need to." become a Christian. I looked at my great grandma and said, yeah, I want to do that. And, uh, and that was sincere for me. And man, I get kind of emotional, uh, thinking about this and talking about it, but I think a lot about the tape guy, like for years of my life, I thought about the the pastor who preached that sermon. Tom Wilson, uh, was his name. He's since passed away. Uh, but as I've, you know, being a pastor this long, I, I've really started to think about the guy who copied the tape and the hours that he sat there waiting for that mm. to happen and how that changed my life. Uh, and and I have told that story uh, to our church. And I think when I think about media today and like my sermons going online, I mean, like maybe there's some four-year-old kid who's going to hear one and give his life to Jesus and uh, hopefully do some okay things because of it. No, that's cool. So, so follow a question from that then is what would you say to the pastor who says, I would just rather focus on the people in my community and not people who can hear me all around the world. Cause you, you're hurt. You're, I mean, you're Mr. Worldwide, man. You're yeah, over there so hanging out in Paris. I, I am. I, I love thinking about that guy looking at the, um, at the Eiffel tower, which it pings to a place where you can see the Eiffel tower, but, uh, it could be a woman too. I always picture him as a guy. I'm not sure why, but you know what I'd say to them? I'd say, (laughs) that's great. If you just think your mission is to focus on the people in your community and not around the nation, around the world, I, I would ask you to consider that theologically. But, uh, but what I'd say is that do media in such a way that invest in the people in your community then like if that is your mission then do media in such a way that you are fulfilling that mission to your community i saw a lot of pastors doing like a psalm a day during the covid stuff and like i mean you know they're they're just posting it for their friends on facebook and uh that's really localized right like here's these people that i know and love and i'm gonna walk through a psalm and encourage them and so uh you can you can use media to impact the people 
in your community, in your local community. Uh, Matt Chandler, he uses uh, at the beginning of his sermons. I don't know if he still does this, but yeah, he still does. Uh, yep. So he, he says, like, hey, this is meant to be supplemental and not to replace the local church. So go to church. Uh, and I, I think that's like, if your goal is to reach people in the local community, you can find ways to do that. You don't have to even try to extend your reach in any meaningful way. Uh, you can actually do great local ministry through media, like Bible studies, right, for your people. Make them private if you're against uh, reaching people outside your your community. Uh, advertise them to people in your city and all of those things. Like, just if that's your mission, then use media for that mission. All right, so last question then. What has been your biggest encouragement as you started using media's mission for your church and ministry? Yeah, so there's a couple of things. First, numbers. Um and we, you've kind of hinted at this, and I'll, I'll just give you some. Like, we, we operate in a fiscal year at our church. And so uh, since last July, we've had 26,539 listens to our sermons online. Um, Which is know, no small number. <laughs> no, it's like— <laughs> Not these at are, all. These are people, and, you know, like people can debate how much they listened and all that stuff. And I don't concern myself with that. I just know— that somebody had a shot to hear the gospel, you know, like that's a big deal or to have their lives changed in a meaningful way. Uh, you know, I, and I think about, I'm just going to go through numbers and I don't, hopefully this doesn't come across. As no, it's not to brag. It's just, it's just to prove the point, the fact of, you know, people are, people want this. People yeah, online some, want this. Some people would hear these and think these are just tiny numbers, but I think for small church you know, pastors, like, I think it's important to hear these things. So like a sermon I did in 2015 has 4,785 uh, listens this year. And so it's like this seven-year-old sermon, all of a sudden it's getting listened to like crazy. Uh, we, we have started to post some like vintage sermons from uh, before I we had our podcast or like our sermon podcast or like from other places I've preached that got recorded. Um, like I, I preached from the only pulpit that Martin Luther King Jr. preached from in the state of Oregon. And oh, gonna, that's cool. We're going to release that eventually. But I had uh, one of these vintage sermons, second sermon I ever preached at our church. I was the youth pastor. 1,500 uh, listens um, this year, and we just posted it. Um, and that's this not year. That long ago. Yeah, yeah. And this sermon was not online. You know, it was heard by however many people were at our church back then, and now we posted it, and, and 1,500 listens uh, since we posted it, I don't know, like in October or something like that. But even if you just take, like, each sermon, it's 100 to 200 extra listens for just, like, every Sunday. And I got 60, you know, people at my church on a Sunday. And so more people are hearing my sermon when it goes online than hear it when I'm sitting with them. And we haven't had nearly as much success on YouTube, but, like, 83.7 watch hours on YouTube in the last 28 days. A lot of that is the sermon intro videos that we make, which get quite a few views online and uh, actually allow us to help other churches out because they borrow them sometimes. But 582.5 hours since July 1st, uh, you know, I have a sermon with 1,571 views. Uh, and that took, by the way, a year to get to 120 views. And then it went up, you know, 1,300 since then. Uh, and so numbers are a big part of it for me, like just knowing that my sermon gets heard. And I've always tried to preach, even when we had, you know, 30 people in our congregation, I always tried to preach pretending at times that there were non-Christians there. 
But knowing that my sermon is going to go so far, I don't have to pretend. Like, I know that there's going to be non-Christians hearing it, which makes it feel so sincere when I lay out the gospel in a way that people have heard over and over and over again that are sitting in front of me. But That's besides, just unreal, man. It is. But besides numbers, I have real conversa- conversations with people from around our country about the impact that my sermons have had. So I think— all of this has happened within the last year. The last one might not, but I've talked, I've emailed this week again uh, with a girl who has an eating disorder uh, and heard one of my sermons on gluttony, go figure. And she's making great strides in her eating disorder and getting people around her uh, that she needs to have around her in order to kind of beat this disease that she has. And wow. And I uh, talked to a woman this year who's struggling with her in-laws and uh and actually did some counsel with her on the phone uh, because of a sermon series on in-laws which i hear is one of the few sermons it was a sermon just a standalone sermon in a family series on in-laws and i hear it's one of the few so it's it's one of my more listened to things i'll just say yeah because i don't even think i've heard a sermon on in-laws in all my years of being in church people reach out about that um i i hear from women who have had miscarriages because of a series i did after my wife's second miscarriage and kind of the thoughts and the feelings and the emotions i had around that and trying to answer my own questions through the bible uh, and I send those people to my wife, and she offers them support. And uh, one couple even sent pictures of their babies after they were finally able to have them to my wife uh, because she had, had kind of helped them in this difficult time that they had struggled through. Uh, and so, like, it's very real. Like, I mean, all those numbers are great, but I actually end up ministering to people around our country. Nobody's called me from Paris yet, but uh, but (laughs) I minister to people around our country as they deal with things because of these sermons. Some of the sermons are not even my best, but they captured something that, that the, the, the podcast or you know whatever space needed that that no other pastor had talked about or at least hadn't tagged correctly when they had talked about it right so they showed up in searches and so man I, I've just seen the power of of these things going out into the world and um and it's pretty amazing and I think that's one thing that you do really well like I'm I'm out here just be bobbing around on your Apple podcast page where you you don't just list what the title of the sermon is or it's like you know. Um, uh, whatever sermon series you want, week two, like you actually put some thought into the show notes description so that when people are looking for it, you know, they're actually able to find it. Yeah, we've you know? been really intentional in, in tagging and, and that goes back like we, I mean, if this is a part of our mission, then then tags seem to really matter. And so trying to like learn a little bit about that through some YouTube videos and you know, like often it'll be me learning and then passing it along to like my wife or uh, to our, our children's minister who's posting stuff and saying like, hey, because I'm the full time guy. Right. So like I and can choose how I spend my time. So I can I can watch a video, listen to a podcast and then just say, hey, here's something to try. You know, like, let's see how that works. Or have you thought about looking back at the tags that did well and, and seeing how you can kind of duplicate that maybe and. You know, here's like just funny, like we uh, a sermon recently, 
It went to 500 listens in like no time at all. And uh, we think it's because it was on Jesus turning water into wine. And my wife, <laughs> my wife had tagged it wine. And so now we kind of have this joke. Like we just need to tag wine onto all the sermons. Like, and then people will listen. And so, so like just, you know, paying attention a little bit. It's not like we devote tons of time and then, and then trying I guess for me, I hate the idea of not maximizing the effort that I put in, like getting the most out of the effort that I put in every week in a sermon. You know, for me, it's like eight to 12 hours a week into a sermon. And like, I want that to make as big of a difference as it can. I don't want to feel like that's wasted. And so we, we've tried to maximize that, at least as far as the sermons go. Um, and, and, and I, you know, just to kind of finish that, that thought where you're going is the fact of, and this is what honestly, where my passion for this podcast came out of is the fact of, you know, so many pastors will put hours and hours and hours into their sermons just for them to what? I they die, they, they die out. So if you don't mind me asking you, cause I wasn't planning on asking you this, um, what platform do you use to get your sermons online? So we use, uh, sermon.net is the, is kind of our, our, hosts of everything and man i could not say better things about a platform honestly when we started we only picked it because it was free it's no longer free and i even hate saying it on here because they've grown significantly and i don't want the price to keep going up but (laughs) sermon.net man they are great and like if i you know one of the things i really want to make happen is i want all of our sermons to end up on a roku app and like i've brought that up to them and and they're they're like trying to make that happen. I don't think because of me, but like they, they keep, they've really grown as our needs have grown. And so I think that's what sends, we post to YouTube as well, you know, but like it's, it is the feed for so much of what we do. Uh, and then it goes on YouTube and YouTube gets on our website, obviously. And, uh, all those numbers I said, don't even count our, our website numbers as far as listens, uh, go, uh, and, and so those are, you know, and then we live stream Facebook, YouTube, uh, church online platform, um, you know, and then we're on social media networks. And I did want to say as far as like, you know, all those wins are so sermon driven, but like we do, we do post and where we, where we just have like a picture of somebody from our church. And then we like share information about them, uh, how long they've been at the church and something interesting, you know. And, and to us, like, that's a win. Like, people now, when they see them on a Sunday, it's like, oh, I know a little bit about them. And they're more apt to say hi. And so even if you don't get these numbers, you know, we've been at this a long time. I don't know why our sermon audio has done so well, but it has. Uh, but, like, there's other wins, too. Like, if Bob and Larry all of a sudden have a shared interest in, I don't know, basketball, like, that's good for our church. And now they know about it. So, uh, so I, I think that there's other wins besides, you know, kind of some of these things I've said. That's just unreal, man. And it's like, I mean, to be honest with you, I could go for another hour, but <laughs> we don't, we don't need a two hour long, long podcast episode, man. But, but at the end of the day to kind of land the plane, what I'm hearing you say is that you first started off with what's the mission, mission and the vision of the church and how can we further that mission 
it, with using media and everything always goes back to that. So it's not like you're going online to do it just because everyone else does. You didn't start Facebook and Instagram because that's what you're supposed to do. You didn't start posting your sermons online because, oh, hey, well, that's what we have to do. because That's what we want to do. It all goes back to the church's mission, mission and vision and what you guys are trying to accomplish. And what I'm also hearing you say is you guys actually define your wins of, yes, this is a win. This is not a win. So let's, let's just scrap. Like, like, you know, when you're talking about the whole, using your iPad and, and doing the Ask Pastor John style, explaining the passage, like, yes, it, it, it was a win for the time that it was, you know, you guys were doing it, but it wasn't enough for you to double down on it. And you guys, okay, let's try something different. Let's try something different. But it all went back to, you know, the mission never changed. It was to reach people for Jesus or yes. to grow your church's faith in Jesus. That's, that's very true. Uh, I'll give you another example of, probably talk too much, but I'll give you another example. And, and so during COVID, we saw that most of our mission, we were able to, to kind of accomplish in various ways. Uh, and one thing we weren't doing very well is connecting people. There's this giant disconnect. And so we started live streaming bingo. Uh, like I would just, my kids would pop it on and off, but like I dressed up uh, sometimes like with a bow tie. We started doing bingo. Oh man, our church is something similar. <laughs> well, Not bingo, but we did family game night. There you go. And yeah. so, and it was only, only to fulfill the mission of, of spiritual love and connection because we couldn't figure out another way to do it. And now we're not doing that bingo thing because we think there's much better ways to connect people um, like, you know, here in person. And so now it's more like, how do we get people to, you know, barbecue or whatever it might be. And so, but that was so mission driven and it was the way that we were fulfilling the mission in that moment, but it wasn't the long-term way that we wanted to fulfill that mission. I love it, man. Well, hey, so I think let's land the plane there because if not, we can go for another hour. This is what happens when you get two pastors and two podcast who also podcast all the time into a room to chit chat, man. But dude, I cannot thank you enough, Chad. This was just an amazing conversation, even just for me, man. Hey, I appreciate that. It's been really fun. I, uh, it's fun to just kind of say all of these things that, you know, have been in my head and my heart, but I don't really have an outlet for them often, except for our team who works on them. Yeah, and I'm sure they don't always want to hear it. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> I love it, man. Well, hey, so if you don't mind me asking, where can people connect with you, learn more about you, and maybe just see some of the things that your church are doing? Sure. Uh, we Well, I'm on Instagram, Chad A. Harms, and that's my – I'm on – every social media uh, platform, but Instagram is my favorite. That's the one that I uh, take most seriously. So Chad A. Harms on Instagram. Uh, you can find out our church at wilsonville.church, wilsonville.church. And, uh, you know, everything that we do kind of flows from there, but we're also on Instagram, Creekside Picks, Facebook, uh, all the social media platforms, except I guess we're not on TikTok yet. Uh, we haven't figured out that puzzle. Uh, I also started a new podcast on my own called uh, that I, I think I mentioned at the beginning, but uh, testimony and, and you can find that at testimonypodcast.com. And what I love about that podcast is you interviewed one of my heroes who I did not know was not a Christian when he became my hero. And now the dude loves Jesus, the, the professor. Yeah. Which most uh, people probably have no idea what I'm talking about, but you know, there's uh it's weird because like, in circles, uh, 
when people find out I know the professor, it's like what they want to know about. And uh, he is a high school teammate and uh, he's a celebrity, but I, you know, I don't think of him like that. And even you, it was like, I, I, you know, you're like, Hey, come on. And then I said, I interviewed the professor like, Oh, now I like this guy. So uh, (laughs) it's, it's funny. Uh, you know, kids, uh, middle schoolers that I'm around, when they find out, there's like all these questions uh, about him and you know, Spider-Man basketball, and and that's all how of those people things. know him now, which kind of stinks because I'm like, dude, he was the one white boy in the and one streetball circuit, and my my crossover that I memorized was his crossover. I don't do it as good as he does, not even close. Sure. But he was the white boy playing streetball, and I'm like, I want to be like the professor, so I studied his moves. Yeah, and he's definitely dude. moved into like the entertainment sphere. Uh, but man, that streetball stuff, that and one stuff. I mean, for people apparently my age to your age, that was I loved that stuff. It, it changed how I played basketball, and uh, and and it was it was so fun. I mean, his family's great. He's great, and it was really fun to see. You know, when he was like doing the TV show, the survival style TV show, to to earn that contract with that. If you didn't know that, now you do. No, yeah, uh, no, no, I didn't. So that's how he got on. He he um he went down to an open run here in Portland, and it was a survival kind of style contest where they would pick a couple guys to play in their game, uh, and then they would keep one from each city, or they'd keep one, and then they'd get on the bus and go to the next city. And he had just started playing at a, a community college. Uh, he played one year of community college ball, got in the open run. They invited him to play in the game that night. He was pumped, and then he uh, was invited to stay on the bus. And he was actually – it was Portland was the first city. So he had to, like, stay on the tour for, like, 10 weeks. And, you know, for us, like, not a big town at the time where we grew up, like, maybe 25,000, 30,000 people. And to, like, be watching him, you know, like, doing this when we're 22 is super cool. Uh, and we were all very excited that he that he was able to earn the contract at the end and become a professional streetball player. Yeah, and I mean, let's be honest. You interview a lot of amazing people and have interviewed some amazing people. But, I mean, hands down, I love The Professor. So <laughs> that, that's, well, yeah, that's pretty yeah. good. one of my favorite episodes. It's cool because I'm getting some people with some real influence and some fun people to talk to. Uh, but... I'm not sure I'm going to get anybody bigger ever than him, who was my first uh, person on that show. And he has an incredible testimony. Yeah, uh, he does. But, but he is internationally, you know, so famous now. It's wild. That's super cool, man. But hey, dude, I'll make sure we have all the links for you personally, the church, testimony podcast, and, and all that kind of fun stuff. But again, dude, Chad, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. It was really fun. Thanks for having me. You bet, man. Hey, guys, just like always, feel free to head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen. Follow the show. If you're on Apple Podcasts, it would mean the world to me to leave me a rating and review because when you do, it helps other people just like you find the show. Same for Spotify. You can't leave a review, but you can leave a rate, leave a rating. So feel free to do that. But if you want to comment on the show and you don't listen to either one of those places, you can just head over to smallchurch.media to the specific episode page, leave a comment comment over there. And before I let you go, I always talk about this, but just so you know, we are, I said at the top of the show, we're officially less than three weeks away from Easter Sunday. And if you've been lazy and not really paying attention, you probably should have your sermon graphics ready to go for Easter Sunday. So go to smallchurch.media, 
forward slash Easter, where you can download one or both of the free sermon graphics for Easter that we have for you right over there. Again, Chad, it was a pleasure hanging out with you. You guys who are listeners, make sure you go check out all the stuff that he is doing, where you can be encouraged that, hey, Chad is a pastor just like you, pastor of a church of a little over 100 people who is using media to reach people like never before. So make sure you go over there, hit all the links in the show notes, and I'll take you all the places. But until next week, Take it easy, and we'll see you next time on the Small Church Media Podcast. The Small Church Media Podcast is a part of Mark Hyde Creative.